Entrepreneurs, small business owners, Leo Cannell here again with a Seven Figures Club podcast. Today, my friends, we've got a very interesting guest, a guest who really is a, an entrepreneur, a business owner's best friend, oftentimes most trusted advisor. We've got CPA Chris. And Chris, say your last name again. I don't want to I want to get the French uh, wrong. Hervishan. Hervishan. There it is, that Hervishan. Nice, nice French. He's the uh, sole proprietor of his own CPA firm, provides outsourced accounting, tax preparation services, primarily for marketing and creative agencies. Before founding his firm, he spent 10 years working in forensic accounting and corporate accounting and finance. He's been featured in numerous publications, including the Journal of Accountancy, South Carolina CPA Report, the AICPA Certificate Wall of Fame, Accounting Today, Amex Open Forum Lending Tree, one of our friends, CEO Blog Nation, as well as a number of podcasts. In 2018, he was one of only 41 CPAs honored by the American Institute of the CPAs as a member of the Leadership Academy's 10th graduating class. And he was selected based on his exceptional leadership skills and professional experience. 2019, he was selected as one of CPA Practice Advisors 40 Under 40, when he's not helping his clients build and grow their companies and agencies, he enjoys spending time with his wife and three kids, playing golf, obsessing over different, or excuse me, over efficient workflows, listening to Metallica, let's go, and rooting for his beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully they're going to have a better year this year. Every April, you can find him at the 18th hole of Harbortown Golf. Well, Chris, welcome to the podcast. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. So as a CPA, I always say that the CPA is kind of the uh, the trusted advisor of business owners. Uh, but before we dive into that, we always love to find out a little bit more about your background. It sounds like you're you're kind of from that uh, that, that East Coast and, and have been helping business owners for a long time. But what led you down the path of entrepreneurship, any uh, thing in your upbringing or just some different events, what were some of the, you know, actions or events that happened in your life that kind of made you think, you know, I really kind of want to have control. I kind of want to be a business owner someday. How did that work? Yeah, it's a good question. And it goes like way back into my upbringing, I think. Um, goes back to like the lemonade stand, probably. If I had to okay. take it the, if I had to take it the whole way back, right? Um, lemonade stand in the neighborhood with some of the other, you know, friends and kids that I grew up with, shoveling snow in, in the winter for a few bucks. Um, the first job I ever had job air quotes out of out of college that I had, I turned I turned pro as a golf pro for a minute for a minute. That's nice. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. It was about five minutes. And I mean, that's a very entrepreneurial endeavor. I've just always yeah, just kind of been entrepreneurial and always wanted to be in, in control of my own destiny. And so working in corporate accounting and finance, you are most decidedly not in control of your own destiny. And I felt like I was driving a lot of value for uh, the organizations that I was with. 
And I felt like I could drive a lot of, I could take that skill set and drive a lot of value for small businesses while at the same time kind of controlling my own destiny, being in charge of myself, of my schedule, of how much I earn. And so I just had this moment one day, I texted my wife, I said, Hey, I, I can't do this anymore. It's time to go and put a six month plan in place and eventually left and been on my own. It'll be four years and two days where I've been totally fully on my own, running my own firm, started out, figured it's going to be me and just me. And I'm going to service a handful of clients and that didn't work. So now I've got seven people on my way to nine <laughs> and you know, we've got, we're, we're running a much larger firm than what I had anticipated, but here we are. So that is, is fascinating. I think you've uh, dropped a big value bomb that the audience needs to pay attention to. We have, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners are listening in who are trying to side hustle, you know, really want to be able to go full time with their business. And a lot of people, you know, mistakenly think that entrepreneurship is all about taking massive risks and just go ahead and quit your job tomorrow and just go all in with your business. But I, I heard you say, and I think this is really important for everyone to understand, you took six months and really assessed it and put together a game plan. What were some of the things that you were putting together and putting in place over that six month period so that you were going to be in a good situation and increase your odds for success when you did go all the way into it? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And if we're being really, really honest, it was more than six months. Yeah. It was more like seven years. 100%. Uh, 100%. So I, when I got, like the minute that I got my CPA license in 2011, I started doing freelancing, which a lot of my clients, that's how they started. So they can kind of relate to it. But I started freelancing tax for friends and family, a uh, little bit of bookkeeping, again, friends and family. And then I did that for, I think it was four or five years. And then I started doing freelance work for a, for another CPA firm. And I did that for a couple of years. And at that point, it was like, all right, we got to rip the bandaid off. At some point, you either have to grow this side hustle or you have to get rid of it. And I definitely recommend the freelancing route as a way to get started because it's a low risk way for you to figure out this is what I'm good at. This is what I can do. This is how I'm going to deliver it. This is who my clients are. These are who, this is who my ideal clients are. This is how I'm going to get paid. All the, all the mechanics of that. So it was January of 2018, and I knew that I wanted to go out on my own. The first thing that I did was I hired a coach. And I absolutely positively recommend that. Just somebody who can keep you accountable, who's been there, done that, who can ask you the hard questions and not be emotional about it. Somebody to hold you accountable. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing. So I hired a coach in January of uh, 2018. And we went through two or three different iterations of what my business was going to be because I'm a certified valuation analyst. I had a background of forensic accounting and we thought, well, when I go full time, what I'll do is I'll do forensic evaluation services. And then we narrowed that down into, well, I'm going to do um, business interruption claims. And that's what, because that's what I did when I was in forensic accounting. I had experience. Mm -hmm. And then we iterated through that. So that was two iterations right there. And by the time we got to the third iteration, it was like, all right, you know, we're, what we landed on was the business that I'm currently in. It's a subscription service. It is um, what we call in the accounting community, CAS or client accounting services or cloud accounting and advisory services, as we call it internally, otherwise known as outsourced accounting, virtual CFO. You can call it any number of things, but that's what we do. It's mm. basically month to month accounting and advisory services for small businesses. In particular, we're working with marketing and creative agencies and nonprofits at this point. So it took six months yeah. to iterate just to get from this one thing that we we're going to do to where we ended up landing. And we've been iterating for four years now. So, and, and that's what you're doing. You're constantly 
creating a better solution for your client where you can provide more value. But the thing that's most interesting, I think that you <clears throat> just explained there is you, you, you're in a service-based business for the most part, but you have uh, ingeniously put together a subscription-based model. And for those uh, of you out there who dream of someday having a business that is valuable, that doesn't require you to work 80 hours a week and be there all the time, that you could actually sell someday, that is where subscription-based businesses are so valuable and so important. What led you guys down the path of, you know what, we're going to do this as a subscription model because that is very ingenious. How did you go about putting that together? Uh, it was a combination of having worked for another firm who basically did subscription-based model. Um, it was, you know, a month-to-month -month type retainer, but yeah, basically subscription, those lines get blurred a little bit sometimes, especially in the accounting space, I think. And the subscription model just coming to the forefront, everything is subscription now. You subscribe to literally everything. You subscribe to Netflix. Yes, you you subscribe, like I, I literally subscribe to laundry detergent through Amazon. Right. I mean, you can subscribe to literally anything. You can subscribe to cars. Um, so, you know, just understanding, seeing that out in the marketplace. And then also the influence of um, Ed Klass and Ron Baker. Uh, Ron Baker started the value pricing revolution. He's an, or was an accountant, is, account, is an accountant, I guess. Um, but he started that revolution back in the 80s. And he and Ed both have a um, podcast called The Soul of Enterprise, which I definitely recommend listening to. And I got to know Ed a little bit and he kind of helped, helped shape my thinking around how do we take what I was doing, which is basically just monthly fixed fee and then turn that into a true subscription type, type product or offering as it were. That is, that is awesome. So, so it's, it's years in the making. It's, uh, you know, a lot of iterations and pivoting. I think for a lot of business owners that are in the beginning stages, they're growing how do you know when it's, uh, how did you know that it's time for a different iteration? It's time for a different business model. What, what is the, is there like a formula, a framework that you use where, okay, I, the market's telling me this, we're going to pivot here. How, do, how does that process uh, work out for you? As we've iterated through the last four years, you mean, or the original iteration? Yeah. Well, well anytime you're kind of pivoting and changing the business model, changing what the result you're looking to deliver to the client. You're talking about iteration one, two, three. Why are you making these changes and what's driving that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a variety of factors. Uh, number one is paying really close attention to the world that we're in. Smart. It's a great place to start. So that's why we have expanded beyond marketing and creative agencies and into nonprofits. We're seeing where we are economically. We also have a little bit of, ex or a lot of bit of expertise as it turns out uh, with some new teammates in internally where we can deliver that service to nonprofits. And so we have iterated and we're now in another vertical. Um, as far as what we actually do for clients, the, that is born out of paying attention to the industry and where the industry is, both from a compliance perspective. So what's changing in the tax world is a, is a good example. And then what's changing in the software world and software allows us to deliver value in different ways, a little bit more efficiently. And those things are always iterating. So that's part of it. So just paying attention to where we are um, from an industry perspective and where we are from an economic perspective, paying attention to clients, just asking them, how can we be most helpful? We ask our clients that in every single meeting, 
and we will get information back. And what we do with that information is part of what's feeding that iteration and then asking teammates. So part of our culture strategy is um, learning and another part of it is innovation. And we have meetings around that every single month and we're listening. So iteration is really all about listening, listening to what's happening around you, listening to um, who you're serving, listening to who you're working with. And then from that is born ideas. And then that is where you, what you iterate around basically. Well said, well said. You know, several years ago before I started uh, our current, uh, current uh, company, um, and I've been in the business finance uh, space for, for several years, as, as our audience uh, knows. But the, the previous company I started, we grew really fast, you know, zero to five million in sales in 18 months, zero to 50 employees in 18 months. We're growing fast. We're taking over the world. But there's a problem, Chris. We had no idea where we were at with the business. We didn't understand the term cash flow. And I think <laughs> a lot of people go through business school. They might even start and run a business and they're still not completely sure what exactly does cash flow you know, mean? Is that just there's some money in the bank? Like, what does that mean? How, how define for us, if you would, cash flow and how important it is to manage that very consistently or you get into trouble. Yeah, great question. I don't know if you can see it behind me, but right there is a little sign that I got from a um, another podcast host where we talked about cash flow, and it, it all it says it's it's very simple. It's cash in minus cash out. That is cash flow. It's no more complicated than that. It gets a boogeyman stigma, I think, for new business owners because it's talked about kind of in this very nebulous way, but it's really no more complicated than cash in minus cash out. Um, so cash is pro is, well, it is the most important thing in the business because everything turns into cash. You have employees, you have to pay them in cash. Uh, you have rent, you have to pay that in cash. You've got vendors. Ultimately you've got to pay that in cash. Yeah. You can use a credit card, but at some point that turns into cash, right? You've got to pay that credit card in cash. Everything turns into cash. It's super critical. Um, it's probably one of the top two or three things that you really need to be paying attention to. And you need to be doing it on a consistent basis. What we tell our clients is that you should be having cash flow um, meetings once per week. And that's what we do. Um, and forecasting cash Amen. on a consistent basis. And the way that we do that is we forecast it out 90 days. I totally recommend that um, that practice for every single business owner. It'll, it'll really help you figure out where is my money coming from? Where is it going? And it'll more, most importantly, it will flag problems before they actually become problems. So huge. So, so much value that uh, Chris just dropped there, guys. It's so important for you as a business owner to know your cash flow stands and you can't do it on a monthly basis. You can't do it on a quarterly basis. Like you need to know in very short critical periods of time. And I agree with Chris. I think the week is right on. I do cash flow meetings, you know, with my partners uh, every week. I also do them in my, my family with my personal finances, because if you're not tracking things and, making progress and realizing where you're at and the bank balance doesn't always tell the story there, there's credit cards right there's all these other different financial tools that we have as business owners there's accounts receivables but if you don't know where you stand with your cash flow your business will get into trouble very quickly and all of a sudden you'll be where like i was five years ago where i'm robbing from peter to pay paul to make payroll every week for our employees and I'm trying to figure out where I can get another loan and another credit card to pay for our next event. And it's no way to run a business. When you get down to the details, success comes. And that's why it's, it's vital to have someone like Chris on your team 
who can help you with these types of things because you can't be an expert on everything, right? You're the business owner. You can't wear every hat. You can't be an expert at everything. You have to have a team that can kind of assist you with that. So in terms of, you know, becoming more profitable, which is kind of the whole idea behind cash flow, what are different strategies and tips that business owners can be implementing today and, and uh, realizing so that they can become more profitable in the business? Yeah, and that list is almost unlimited, really. There's a ton of levers that you can pull in your business. Uh, the first place to look, especially nowadays with inflation, is pricing. Because you, ha in my view, right now, because inflation is so broad-based and we're almost conditioned to see prices increase everywhere, if you're not increasing your prices too, you're definitely getting margin bleed because your prices, your your the prices that you are incurring to deliver the product or service that that you deliver, they're definitely going up. Whether it's people cost or whether it's input cost or rent or utilities, like the whole the whole nine, it's all going up. So you're get, you're definitely going to get some margin bleed if you're not looking at that. Um, if you're delivering a pro if you're deli delivering a product specifically, so you start with pricing and then you start with um, cost, all the various costs, input costs that go into that. Um, those are good places. Now, if you're running a service-based business, uh, again, look at pricing, look at the different, um, sub, you know, subscription-based models, retainer-based models, whatever that is, start there. That'll also help your cash flow If you've got a, some sort of a recurring revenue model, um, we also want to be looking at project management. So if you are doing projects, um, one of the places where we see profitability slip is in project management. So inefficient, or ineffective project management. That's a good one. Account management is another good one. Um, so account managers should be making sure that your clients are happy, but they should also be looking for opportunities to increase services to the customers that you already have. Um, those are the big ones between um, product and service-based businesses. But again, it's, it's really unlimited. I mean, it just depends on how your business operates and how creative that you can be in order to be more profitable. So for most business owners, there's this thing called net income. There's this thing called profit margin that we're all trying to increase. And Chris just gave some great ideas, guys. Inflation's real. If you're not increasing your prices based on the inflationary effects of your business, you're going to be in trouble. And you know every business needs to understand that if you just deliver more value, it's less about price and more about the result you can actually you know, give your client. And so the, the next uh, question I have, Chris, is, okay, so I'm focusing in on profit margins. Where, what, what is a healthy profit margin percentage? Obviously, there's different uh, you know, business industries and professions. If you're Walmart or Amazon, you're happy with very small single-digit uh, profit margins. If you're a software company, you probably do a lot higher. What, what should like a service-based business owner be trying to target? What do you think is a good goal in terms of profit margin percentage? Right. So super, super high level, because this is different for every business and it's different for every, oh, yeah. every segment and every industry. Um, it's super high level. We would say north of 15% on the net. And what we're seeing a lot of when and we say it's the net, but what we're seeing a lot of are businesses in the service industry that operate very differently from each other. Like we, so for instance, we've got marketing agencies who outsource the vast majority of their work. And so uh, their gross margin is lower because all of their costs are variable. They don't use freelancers unless they have 
you know, some sort of a revenue stream in order to pay those freelancers. So they're hiring freelancers for very specific work or very specific projects. Um, you know, on the flip side, we've also got agencies who are, who don't outsource anything and they're super payroll heavy. So it's super fixed. So when you're benchmarking those margins against each other, the gross margin, it gets a little bit weird. So we always want to be benchmarking our business against itself over time. Are margins going up? Or are they going down? Benchmark it, our, um, ourselves against ourselves over time. Knowing the net from an industry perspective is, is um, also insightful. So where we want to see the net again, 15% or north. Now, if you want to go through an exercise to figure out what can be, and this gets back to the profitability thing, go run your P&L, see what happens when you increase revenue by 5%, see what happens when you decrease cost of sales or your variable expenses by 5%, and then see what happens when you decrease your operating expenses by 5%. We call that a 555 analysis. The reason why we call it a 555 analysis is because if you're certain, if you are of a certain age, you remember the whole Domino's 555 deal and it's just catchy, right? But what you're going to see is if you increase revenue 5%, decrease uh, cost of sales 5%, decrease OPEX 5%, your net margin is going to go up substantially. And then from there, you can figure out, okay, well, where would I, what would I do in order to increase revenue 5%? Is it on pricing? Is it on, is it just more clients? What would I do to decrease cost of sales by 5%? Is it getting different uh, freelancers? Is it um, different input costs to go into my product or service. What would I do to decrease OPEX by 5%? Start with software, by the way. Your software subscriptions are these things that proliferate and they just cost you money and you probably have unnecessary ones in there. Um, and it doesn't need to be 5%. Maybe it's you know 521 or maybe it's 125 or maybe it's 222, whatever. But that's a good exercise to go through to start the questions about your business that you need to start answering in order to increase profitability and then also to start increasing margins. Absolutely, guys. Now, there's you know a lot of small business owners out there, and they're not quite in a position where they feel comfortable hiring a CFO. So, for all intents and purposes, they are kind of acting as their company's CFO, even though they might not understand even you know what a CFO specifically can do for their firm and how that works. And there's opportunities where you know you can have you know an expert accountant you can have a, a CFO that are kind of operating as one, um, how can that work? And, and, and why should small business owners start to look at that as a real viable option and solution for their company? Yeah, especially for small businesses, because CFO level talent is very expensive and you may not need to utilize how, that person. How expensive is that? Just out now, I mean, nowadays, yeah. for a good CFO full-time, you're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars. For sure. That's what I was going to say, like 180,000. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah. You're looking, I mean, accountants coming out of school right now, I've heard some stories where they're getting six figures. That's zero experience, four-year degree, haven't run a business before. I mean, so when you extrapolate that out to a CFO who's got a lot of experience, probably has some sort of a designation like a CPA or a CMA or something like that, has run businesses, has seen the good, has seen the bad, has experience. I mean, you're looking at a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it's like the same thing with an attorney. So accountants or financial people and attorneys are the two most important advisors that you're going to have in your business, for sure. You wouldn't go and hire a full-time attorney. It would cost you probably a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? You're going to, um, you're going to utilize those people on some sort of a project base or an hourly base. Same type deal. But having that outsourced CFO level person who can look toward the future from a financial perspective and who understands 
the finances within the context of the operations of the business, super critical to be able to have that person to lean on, ask questions and to help provide good advice before you make bad decisions, basically. Yeah, very valuable guys. And it's so much more affordable than a full-time CFO, but you're getting so much value when you do have someone like that because they've got strategies, tips, and ways for you to increase profitability, manage cash flow, and just keep growing and, and stay in business. The longer you stay in business, the, the odds are greater that you're going to figure out more solutions and more ways to increase and grow. But sometimes it's just staying in the, in the game. And obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty and different things happening out there. Now, one of the ways that business owners can really you know, make their life easier is by automating a lot of things. And there's ways to automate you know, a lot of uh, the accounting and the cash flow management. And this is where you know, what uh, Chris and his team provide a lot of value with that. What are some different strategies and, and ways that you can kind of help automate things for the business owner so that they can make good decisions? Great question. First place to start is to understand the questions that you want to ask about the business and get answers back. So what are, what are the data points that you need in order to make better decisions in your business? Because don't forget, every decision that you make, um, or a lot of them anyway, especially the big strategic decisions, could have millions of dollars of impact over time. If you extrapolate them out over years and then you extrapolate that to the multiple you're going to sell your business for, be very expensive. So what are the questions that you need to ask about your business in order to get a good answer back? And then realize what those data points are. So what are the different software packages or the different processes that I need to have in my business that are going to generate data that's going to allow me to ask a better question and get a better answer back? So realize what those data points are. Option one is always to have a um, an app ecosystem that talks to each other. So in other words, if you're using QuickBooks Online as your general ledger or as your accounting software, what are the things that connect to QuickBooks Online? We don't want to pick an accounting software that doesn't integrate with anything because then we can't combine our financial and our non-financial data. So, I mean, this is kind of self-serving because I'm an accountant, but we start with the accounting platform. What are the things that will connect to QuickBooks Online? What's the time tracking software that'll connect to QuickBooks Online? What is the um, project management software that will connect? You know, those sorts of things. So option one is always um, a native connection within the various apps. Option number two is going to be no code. What, am I, what I mean by no code, um, things that stitch together data processes like a Zapier or a Make, which is used to be called Integramat, or like an Automate.io, things where anybody could really do it if they sat down and they spent a little bit of time. How do I move this piece of data to this other platform or to this other you know, spreadsheet if it's Google Sheets or something like that? Um, anybody can do those things. Now, if those things aren't an option, then you want to think about software platforms that have an API. And then you can go and hire somebody who can do a little bit of coding for you. You can hire them on Upwork and it's it's totally fine. But you want to start with what are the questions I need to ask? What are the systems I need to have in my business to answer to get those data points to answer those questions? Can I connect all of those natively? If I can't, can I connect those with a no-code platform? If I can't, do those platforms have an API? And can I hire somebody to connect them for me? That's kind of the process that we go through. And that's where we can be helpful, especially on the no-code side. Exactly right, guys. What we're talking about here are key performance indicators the drivers of your business in terms of leads and customers and client and what's the cost to acquire a customer and how all these key indicators in your business connect back to the accounting, connect back to the financials, and then allow you to make great decisions of what's working and what's not 
and creating those iterations as Chris is talking about in order to be more profitable. Now, Chris, there's a lot of people right now listening and thinking, wow, I'd actually just be really helpful if Chris and his team could kind of help me out. What are some different ways they can connect with you and learn more about the services that you provide to kind of solve these problems that these small business owners are having? Because they might be really good at bringing people in the door and giving that client or customer the result they want. But at some point, there's, I've spoken to probably, I'd say 50% of business owners are good at what they're good at. But then this side of things, yep. the accounting, the profitability, the cash flow, the, the, the details, the key performance stuff like that's really a struggle. Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, I mean, the simplest and easiest way to get a hold of us is betterwaycpa.com. That's the website. And you can find our contact that's information. That's a great there. website URL. What's that again? It's betterwaycpa.com. Betterwaycpa. Nice and easy. Betterwaycpa.com. That's a great website. Appreciate that. Thank you. So, guys, go to betterwaycpa.com and you can connect up uh, with Chris and his team. And they will give you, you know, ideas and strategies to increase your cash flow, to increase your profitability, and to really create the business that you set out to create at the beginning, but maybe have run into some walls, you know, some obstacles to get there. Uh, again, this, this podcast is all about not learning passively, but taking action and those actions leading to success with your business. So that said, Chris, we want to thank you for being an amazing guest and all the value you brought to the podcast today. But the last word is yours, Chris. What is something everybody can do today, in addition to going to betterwaycpa.com, to actually you know, move the needle and increase and make more value and profits in their business? More value and profits in their business? Just have good financial data and review it on a frequent basis. Be engaged in your business in that way. If you are not engaged in your business, um, you're going to be one of those folks who's basically created a job for themselves and you're going to muddle along. So be engaged in your business, have good financial data, make sure that it's answering the questions that you need to ask about your business and make sure that you're reviewing it um, on a consistent basis. And if you don't have the skill set to review it by yourself on a consistent basis, go get somebody who can help you along that journey. Amen. Well said, guys. Those are the steps. These are the things that matter. If you want to join the Seven Figures Club, the 5% of business owners that earn a million dollars a year, then you must be implementing these strategies and getting your money right as a business owner. Chris, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.